What's up, everybody? It's time for another Ghost Cult podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with Alex and Nishad from The Offering. Check it out. And we are hanging out with Alex and Nishad from The Offering. How are you guys doing? We're doing doing pretty good. You're, uh, uh, Alex, how are you doing? Dude, I'm doing awesome, you know? I've been in Europe for the last couple of weeks since our last tour, and I've been drinking a lot. Yeah, I uh, last yesterday I, I woke up to a uh, a text at at six a.m. and it was a, a video of him just wasted on a bench somewhere. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, you know, just you know, when you're in, you know, when you're in Europe, you do what the Europeans do, right? No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. I did the same thing. I was in Europe last spring and you, they just rage a lot harder than we do. There's no doubt. No doubt. And I'm in Spain too. And Spain has just got this crazy drinking culture and you sleep in the middle of the day and the food is fantastic and the women are beautiful. It's like, you know, it's like paradise on earth. Yeah. Plus, plus two euros will give you cirrhosis. So it's <laughs> nice. That too. The, <laughs> the beer portions are adult size. They're not in tiny pee sample glasses. They're in legit glasses. They're yeah. Legitimate, they're legitimately called dublés. Doubles. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Partying oh, in Europe. It sounds like the life. Uh, but you guys have had some serious stuff going on because you just dropped your album, Home, on Century Media, yep. uh, which is ridiculous. It is so fantastic. Um, a lot of stuff to Thank unpack you. here. So I think before we jump into the album, I wanted to talk to you guys about sort of how you formed the band and how you sort of created this style because it is like everything in the kitchen sink, but it all makes sense. You know, it's not a mess. It's like very, very well put together. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. How'd you guys form and, you know, sort of form like Voltron to make this band? Voltron. <laughs> well, we actually, we all used to play in a bunch of punk bands in Boston, actually. Um, we all, we all met at school together when we were um, there back in 2000 and I want to say 2013, 2014. And uh, we just hit it off because we noticed that we were definitely metalheads playing punk. Didn't really make a lot of sense. So... After a while, we started getting in the same room as each other and playing certain songs, one-offs. And eventually, Alex was like, hey, let's all get in the same room and, and try it out. So we, we literally all moved in together, like just on, the, on a whim, like just like, hey, let's, let's all move in together and make a record and make a run for it. And that's how the EP was made. Uh, the first one that came out in 2017, we wrote that and recorded that uh, 2015, 2016, around that time. And yeah, since then, we've pretty much been like this. Like, it's funny you say Voltron because I feel like I'm up in everybody else's ass just for the last like three or four years. It's just completely uh, a team effort all the way through um, in each other's business 24 7. And now we got a little bit of a break for because we have a record label handling a lot of the stuff that, you know, we, we couldn't even. Yeah, it, it, it's been a dream, honestly. <laughs> Awesome. And, you know, I think there's something to that. Uh, I think a lot of people, fans who are not musicians and are not trying to make it, don't understand the business that you really, uh, you know, every band is a DIY band, even at the biggest level. Sometimes you have to really work. Absolutely. Your, you have to really work on your career. So I'm interested to hear. I know Century is a great label uh, and you guys have a great team working with you across the world, actually, on both sides. And so of the uh, Atlantic. So I kind of wanted to ask, um, you know, how did you guys get connected with century and signed 
Yeah, so the band actually, so after we made the EP uh, in Boston and in uh, upstate New York, we decided to uh, move to Tampa, Florida somehow. And um, what was funny about that was because, you know, we're following the dream, the crazy idea that like Tampa Bay death metal scene still exists. And so we moved down there and um, we started playing like local shows as frequently as possible, maybe like three shows a week, just absolutely just flooding the market with our live show. And then eventually we played at um, the Cabana Club in Sarasota, which is actually owned by Kelly Schaefer of Atheist. Sure. And Kelly took a liking to us and me in particularly. And, you know, we hit it off and he got us in contact with our first rep at Century Media. And that's when we got into the pipeline of the Century Media, like, um, what do you call it? Like, you know, vision. Mm. But it took some time after that to convince them. And with many other shitty offers along the way, you know, Century Media just came through. Awesome. That is amazing to hear. Another success story for Century Media, which is an amazing label to be on if you are any kind of heavy progressive or death metal band. I mean, they have had the greats on that label, you know, and they still do. Yeah. And you know what's awesome about them? If they uh, they don't get on the greats, they're uh, they're looking at what they're going to do for the next you know 20, 30 years. They're not looking at signing veterans and cashing in on a paycheck. So we want to be a part of that. That sounds pretty sweet to us. Nice. It's important to think long term. I know it's very easy when you're a young band to see what's right in front of you and do the right thing for right now. But, you know, music is a lot like professional sports. Very few bands and artists actually make it a career. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kudos to you. And uh I, I think I mean, we're just getting started. I, so, hear you, I, hear I don't you. know if you can I, give us the kudos. Well, <laughs> I'd say this. We're going to talk about this record, uh, which is banana balls. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I hear death metal. I hear progressive metal. I hear power metal. I hear amazing vocals. I didn't think it was more. I thought it was like all of you singing until I like looked up you guys. I was like, is this like 10 guys came into the studio to no, sing? Alex, Alex just has a uh, Alex just has 10 heads. Dude, so. you are ridiculous <laughs> with the layering of the yeah. vocals and just let's like just start start off with the songwriting and the vocal arranging is bananas for a young band like it's next level shit uh i listen to a lot of music as a crit as a critique and and a critic and it's it's crazed how much stuff is on there but it's all it's not too it's not too much but it's what's there is really tastefully done thank you man so uh, yeah, like, what's you. the inspiration behind just kind of the sound of the band pulling together all these things? <clears throat> Yo, you, Nick, you got this one as the Yeah, yeah. We just, I mean, uh, can, can I swear? Is you it can possible swear, to swear all you want. It's a podcast and we curse on this thing. Oh, perfect. You know, honestly, I, I think you could sum it up by, you know, there's a lot of subgenre stuff in metal. There's a lot of subcultures that are like, they only listen to this type of music or they only like this type of band. And I think the four of us raised ourselves not giving a fuck about that kind of stuff. Um, we just loved music. We loved especially metal. And that's why we're drawn to it. And that's why we play it. So for us, when we make a decision, we're thinking about, you know, what's good for the song and less about does this sound metal enough or does this sound thrash enough or is this death metal or blah, 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 blah. I think a lot of bands that come out today are being 
uh, under the impression that they have to sound a certain way. And I, I don't know whether it's their intention to sell records that way or whether it's their intention to just play a role. For us, we like the old school approach of, you know, you have four guys in a room um, with totally different influences across the board and very versatile hands and, and throats. Um, so why don't you just try to put it all together and make something new as opposed to saying, Hey, we're going to try to sound like the next periphery or the next Metallica, right? It's, I think all those bands that have broken through ultimately were, uh, looking forward. Um, I, I don't know, like you think of like Motley Crue or Queen, like they were doing, they did, they did stuff that just was not done before because it, they were just trying to make, uh, their influences channeled into one unified goal. Well said. So that's our, yeah nice well there definitely is kind of a, a I wouldn't say bipolar but there's definitely the ability of the players in the band and the writing of the songs to sort of shift and and sort of slide over to different things and it all makes sense which is cool because a lot of times that attempt doesn't happen right it goes awry right. and you guys seem to really pull it off for you know a pretty new band um you know that you've been working at this for a few years the, you guys have this nailed down flawlessly i'll have to say I mean, you got to imagine too i mean we were 26 but we've also been playing music for a a long time before this band. So it's not our first record overall. So we've made a lot of terrible records before this one, you know, like <laughs> there's been a lot of swings and a lot of misses, but I think the four of us have a really good chemistry, uh, sonically that helps, uh, keep each other in check. Um, there's definitely, there were definitely a lot more risks than, than you already. I and mean, there's definitely a lot of risks already on the album, but you know, we, we swing for the, for the rooftops every time. And, uh, sometimes, we have the other guy knock us out of the way and say, Hey, that's a little too crazy. So I don't think there's ever an absence of trying to be weird. Nice. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, probably a thing that a lot of bands miss out on, but it is important to be able to edit yourself and say, Hey, that's not that, not that thing, not that riff, not that lead, not that vocal part. It's important to, you know, I know that we, you know, music is very personal and it's your art. Um, although that sounds kind of pretentious now that I say it loud, <laughs> but it is your, it is your art, but also like these things are not these, uh, sorry, guitar player on the call. Your, uh, Nishad, your riffs are not your children. Sometimes you got to give them away. Um, and, yeah, and sometimes yeah. they grow up to be awesome songs. So, you know, it's a challenge, <laughs> it's a challenge. I think everybody that plays music has. Well, I think one thing that's also very special about this group of people is um, we, you know, musicians have generally, they have really thin skin. And I'm, I'm not saying that we have thick skin. We, we take stuff pretty, pretty to heart. But I think all of us have this kind of chip on our shoulder where if we read a reviewer that says, you know, hey, this band sucks at this, or if one of us says this isn't good, we don't take it as a, a grudge, but we go home and we, we shop it and we go like, you know, screw this guy. We're, we're going to show him. You know, that, that's kind of our mentality. We always go back and, you know, we're trying to prove something. And all, yeah, yeah. And all, I mean, uh, essentially, ultimately, like the most important thing is the song and not the, like, he goes behind it. Yeah. And yeah. this band is, is really good at putting that as a priority. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no point in dick sizing how, you know, how high or low you can sing or how fast you can play in guitar or how fast you can play drums if you're just going in circles. You know, there's no aim or, or ambition to that. We want to make a, a nice packaged, uh, unified art piece and do whatever it takes to express it properly. And in this case, it sounds pretty bipolar. 
<laughs> I know. I don't mean a. Yeah, maybe that wasn't a good choice of words. Sorry, everybody. No, no. Um, like we literally, we, we are absolutely <laughs> expressing a bipolar emotion for sure. So, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect that you nailed it. Well, perhaps. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I'd, I'd have to say, like, with all these disparate styles sometimes in, within the same song or on the overall record, it's definitely pulled together nicely. The production's really tight. And then, obviously, you guys got to work with Frederick Nordstrom, who mixed the record. So uh, I know that was a big deal for you guys. Talk about what Frederick brought to the table with the finished record. <laughs> Frederick's a crazy old man. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. He's, <laughs> um, we we uh, originally we were approached by different labels to. Uh, it was originally supposed to be an EP, and then Century gave us the offer, which made us push towards a full album. Which you know, with the budget and everything and their connections, Frederick was our first choice for this kind of thing. Um, he's honestly, he was at first. I thought he hated the music, to be totally honest, because his first email back was just like what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, cause, uh, all of our songs have at least like, you know, a hundred to 200 tracks on it. Alex's vocals alone take up like half the entire mix. So it's like, <laughs> I, I can imagine the guy's blood pressure was sent him to the ER already when he was, you know, so he eventually came back to me and he was like, no, I, I think I see what you guys are trying to do. So just be very specific. And at a certain point in time, he was like, we can't just do this over email. Like, you have to fly to Sweden and, and sit here and do this with me because, like, I can't do this without without getting any kind of guidance here. Like, I need to know what you guys need or else it's going to be Revision City. Um, and, you know, he worked well beyond his pay grade. Like, he, he already had mixed our songs by then. And then he worked a whole nother week when I flew in there. And this was, like, after we already paid him in full for everything. So he really did it because he enjoyed it. And I, I can tell that he did and that he, his compliments were super genuine because he wouldn't really hold back on insults either. So I, I, I like him a lot, honestly. At first, I was like, shit, did we just get another jaded veteran? Like, does this guy not care? But then when you're there in person, you see that he's just a mad scientist and he's got a terrible sense of humor. It's amazing. Nice. Can we get a top three or top five worst insults from Frederick to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> you opened up the door. No. I'm gonna walk through it. Oh <laughs> God, yeah. Um, shit. Well, when I sent him a, a dance with Diana, that one has that trippy section at the end of it, right? And that's about you know like 40 additional instruments. And he sent me this abbreviation. It was like HTMLASEC or something. And I was just like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, why should I call the song that? And he's like, you just sent me a song called How to Make a Sound Engineer Crazy. This shit is a mess. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then with the uh, arrangements, he was like, you guys are like a, I don't, I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to say repeat politically incorrect things here, but he called us a, a variation of Queen that everyone already already knows about Queen. So um, I, I took that as a compliment. I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, <laughs> But he, you know, he, uh, after, at the end of it, like he was, that's, you know, that's just the beginning of the insults, but he was full of compliments by the end of it once he saw the, the finished product of it. So. Right on. Well, it's good that you got to get, yeah. go have that experience and get out there and, uh, you know, work with the veteran guy. He does have a set of ears on him and his track record's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, speak goes without saying kind of how his, how well regarded he is. He does. And you know what I like about him is that he doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, he 
might have those genuine insults or genuine compliments, but you know, you can hurl a few at him and he's just like, yeah, I get it. I'm a, I'm an old Swedish fart. I, I don't like, I, I'm just in some, uh, he called his own band dream evil. He's like, I just play in a band that plays for Swedish farmer peasants. So what do I know? And I was like, dang, this guy's uh, <laughs> self-critical. Jeez. Nice. I think, uh, you know, one thing I've, I've learned from, uh, my time, part of our staff is European and I have many friends out there and they don't, they don't, they're not, uh, so quick to fly off the handle and they're very, you know, they're very happy to be self retro, you know, referential. And, uh, they have self-awareness unlike a lot of Americans who are just like, Oh, you hurt my feelings. I'm angry back at you. And they're not like that at all. It's like, you can rib them. They can rib you back and it's good natured. And you know, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. It was funny too because I mean he we had uh, he had Michael Amet in the studio a week before me and then Hammerfall right afterwards, and he was just ripping into the both of them like <laughs> obviously joking, but I was just like this these are guys that like you know you listen to when you're younger and you're just like oh so yeah, I'm here with Frederick Nordstrom and he's just throwing disses at Michael Amet right now. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Michael can take it. I've met him. Uh, oh, <laughs> and uh, Hammerfall, uh, if they can't, if they can't take it, I'm surprised because they've been around a long time. I think they have a brand new record out today, actually. Um, yeah, that's, that's the one he did, actually. Yeah. So awesome, man! What an awesome experience getting to make this record. And now the next thing is live, right? Yeah. So they have to be able to play all this crazy shit and all these layered vocals. How do you approach pulling off these songs live? Do you try to pick like the most memorable part that represents the song the best? How do you do that? Yeah, I. You know what? Um, the best advice I was ever given as a musician for live performance was actually by Kelly Schaefer, who said, "Like, don't sing the songs, sing the moments." And that's really like really what we try to do as a band. Not to mention, uh, everyone in the band can sing pretty well. Word, can you sing? And it's hard to sing and play, though. Can you can you pull off that kind of technical stuff and uh, sing? Nish, uh, it's tough. We work <laughs> on it. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely there'll be times where even Alex might sing something differently, and I'll I'll jump in on the spot and do a backing vocal on on that kind of. I don't know. Like sometimes it's instinctual, sometimes it's not, and sometimes you get a little bit lost in the layers because you don't know what's your part and what's you know Steve's part, what's Spencer's part. So everyone's involved in it. And I think we'll probably work on that a little bit more, but uh, it's tough. Yeah. You know, then, you know, there's this like, there's this idea that like metal bands have to sound exactly like they do on the recordings, you know, like something to do with like the listeners not being able to understand the difference between like the production quality perfection that is the recording process and then like the raw energy and, um, you know, chaotic whatever the a live performance is. And we're really a band that that appreciates the difference in in the art you know it's one thing to be a, a great production it's another thing to be a great live performance and that doesn't always mean they're exactly the same indeed indeed uh awesome though and i look forward to seeing you guys uh i imagine you just got back from europe i imagine you have some touring planned i don't know if it's anything you guys can talk about yet that's confirmed but please do if you can uh, it's a lot of it is tentative because we're still such a new band. A lot of these promoters will often leave us until the last minute to give us the confirmation, even though we're in the conversation for it. And we also happen to have an agent at APA who's like very ambitious. And sometimes 
you know, like he might say something and it's like, yeah, it's great. But, you know, you never know if it's actually going to work because it's so up in the clouds. But I mean, this whole European festival, that was his doing. He did a great job with it. So I think he's got the muscle to pull some some cool stuff off. But we're looking at main support slots for the next um, like around late fall. We'll probably start ironing some stuff out around then. But yeah, we uh, don't want to be uh, doing a headliner run on a record that, you know, I think deserves a bigger stage. So we'll see what he comes up with. Badass. I hope to see you guys get you down here to New York City or some other city where Ghost Colt has somebody. We can uh, get out and cover you and meet you guys in person. Um, and, absolutely. And uh, yeah, man, it's a very exciting time. Proud of you guys. Congratulations on the record. Uh, home is the record. Century Media. It's out now. The offering. Congrats on everything. Keep it up, guys. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks, much. Ben. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.